very warm welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Ranjan, it's good to have you on Blitz Business. Thanks Ashish, thanks for having me. Awesome, let's get started. So Ranjan, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself first. Well, um I guess uh I consider myself a Bombay boy having spent most of my life there and then most of the life has been between Bombay and few other cities in the US primarily. I'm right now based in San Francisco. Uh career wise uh, started in media, moved to mobile payments and then now I find myself in this world of identity which is, you know, risk and fraud. Um so yeah, um I think the things that your audience may like to um uh, you know maybe may find relevant is um I started a company called Cubecell uh about 10 years ago in India we were doing alternative payments we actually ended up finding more traction than India in Southeast Asia um got acquired by a company called Boku um as part of that I moved back to the US um Boku went on to become public. I served there for a period of time as chief business officer. Um and as part of the mandate in terms of, you know, hey, what should we be doing next or what are the new avenues of growth? Um, you know, went to down the rabbit hole of, you know, the world of identity, which you which means many things to many people, but you know, for us at Bureau it means um the world of risk and fraud uh and providing, you know, guaranteed trust. So what made you shift your base from states to back Bangalore and start so what was the thought process so a couple of things i think the uh, i'll zoom out a bit mm-hmm. um when i was uh, in the us and uh, and uh, technically i'm still based there i mm-hmm. i'm i'm doing basically a month here in in india and bangalore specifically where most of our team is based and a month back in the us so i'm right now living out of a suitcase uh, mm-hmm. the post pandemic life um but in terms of you know like from payments world essentially uh and especially alternative payments world um my first startup was about basically phone number equals to payments right because this was around the time when india was you know seeing the mobile wallet surge uh southeast asia had already seen that um so how do you basically you know uh, plug all your mobile wallets behind a phone number and see you know uh, which makes uh, which has the the balance and the you know the frictionless payment you know features um and over a period of time basically there was this idea about phone number actually equals identity because in today's world and especially in emerging markets or the developing markets um you know phone number is your ubiquitous identity it is the currency that you know with which you trade online um you provide that in exchange of lots of you know lots of economic goods essentially um and when we started basically an identity division in my previous company um we ended up working with lots of companies you know like apple google um uber revolut in the uk gojek in southeast asia um you know seven of the top 10 banks in the us um and the thing that i realized was basically any internet company basically uh, has to answer two questions again and again um and it's basically not them asking it's asking them asking their user base that who are you and can i trust you so you know um when the first time you see the user you give them a phone num- you ask them to give a phone number and email mm-hmm. and then you send them some form of verification once they do that then you are basically behind the scenes 
doing IP checks and, you know, device binding and lots of other things, right? Then you move to some form of, you know, compliance check because now you want to understand, hey, I understand this persona behind a phone, email and a device, but now I need to link this to a person. So you do some form of, you know, KYC, face match and whatnot or biometric checks. Um, and then after that, you know, once you, once you trust that user, you allow them to, you know, bring money in the transaction. Um, and then again, there are lots of verifications and authentications and authorizations, right? Um, and then after that, should something go wrong, then there are lots of other use cases. You know, there are chargebacks, there are fraud losses. A lot of this essentially, um, you know, has become an underlying mature industry, what we call the world of identity. And in the US, essentially, you know, it has had basically 30 years of maturation. Um, but if you look at global markets, um, you have immense, you know, digitization of the economies like India, Indonesia, um, increasing the, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia or, you know, LATAM. But the underlying risk infrastructure hasn't kept pace with that. Um, and it's because it, it was built only for legacy banks. Um, and, and there's a lot of catching up to do. And that I saw as an opportunity in terms of, you know, that how do you essentially have, you know, make this answering these two questions easier, that who are you can I, and then can I trust you? Because online, essentially, you are trusted, you're, you're not trusted, you're, you're guilty until proven innocent, which is, you know, the opposite of real life. And why should that be? Because like in real life, most of, the, uh, most of us are good actors, but we have to prove every single time. So it could be a dating app that you're signing up with, or it could be um, a gig economy company, or it could be a crypto exchange, or it could be a neo bank, or it could be a traditional bank, right? You have to constantly prove multiple times a day that you can be trusted. Um, and in exchange of that, it's not that as a user, you get too much. Um, and it's the same thing for the business. Um, a business has to put so much time, effort um, in verifying lots of these things. And in spite of that, you know, financial crime, cyber crime takes place. And then in some cases, even if they are not liable for making good to the customer, they certainly have reputation loss. So it's essentially both sides who want to basically get into an economic exchange, but trust is essentially missing, right? So how do you enable that? And, and that's where, you know, we saw the opportunity to basically, you know, build bureau in a way where we can be the trust layer and say that, hey, if you're a bureau verified user, bureau verified merchant, you can, on our watch, you can get frictionless and fraud free transactions. And should something happen, you know, uh, we got your back, right? So, so that was basically, you know, the thought process that emerged um, in, in founding bureau. This trust layer, do you guys also, are you guys taking any sort of guarantee like that's 100% fraud free or how does it work? And the second point is when you say you're capturing do you guys can do you guys can uh, combine data from multiple sources or yep so let me take that one by one so again if we step back our goal is essentially you know how do you uh, create a frictionless and fraud free you know um, economic exchange and i always give this example which is uh, if you have ever traveled through us airports um, you have you know two security lanes one is tsa pre and one is a normal one right and TSA Pre, basically, you know, you still have to go through a security check, but you don't have to, it's much lightweight. You don't have to remove your laptops and shoes and belts and whatnot, right? Um, so it's a faster, more secure, um, you know, travel experience for both sides. It's more efficient, right? 
um, can we basically create that online? Um, because you are deemed verified traveler by TSA Pre. Can you be deemed verified identity online? Um, and, and that's essentially what we want to be. So in terms of uh, coming to your question, yes, we do. Um, we are essentially a one-stop shop for every, you, your entire customer journey. So from authentication to ID verification to compliance to transaction and, and, and then when you come back as a returning user. So all the checks that you would need to make uh, for that to secure and accelerate that entire user journey, you do get those in one place through our decisioning platform. So we do consume a lot of data um, through partners who provide us data, through our own merchants or customers um, who provide us data you know, that the consumer is giving them and the transaction level data. And third is the data that our tech picks up, right? Because we are part of an API interaction or an SDK. Um, and it's basically the amalgamation of those things. So there are varied data points which lead to us being able to tokenize a unique identity. Um, so for example, right, if you look, if you take an analogy of the credit world, so in credit risk, you have credit bureaus, right? In credit bureaus, they know that, hey, I went and test drove probably a Tesla and a Toyota or applied for a home loan or a personal loan from two or three different places. But they also know which one did I use, I, I finally got. And they, they also know that, um, you know, am I paying, you know, making the payments, mortgage payments on time or not? It's the same idea here. So we understand that, okay, this is the user behind the phone number, this is the user behind their KYC, and this is the user behind, you know, perhaps their transaction behavior, right? Mm -hmm. How do you basically, you know, take a consolidated, unified view of that and put that behind a singular identity? So Ranjan, what was the biggest challenge when you started this? Yeah, the biggest challenge is solving real fraud problems, right? Fraud is a digital pandemic right now, right? Um, any form of fraud, whether it's, you know, a phishing scam or a KYC scam or, um, you know, just pure synthetic identities, bot detection. So essentially, what problems are you going to solve? Because there are many problems to solve. A neobank has a different fraud problem than, let's say, a real money gaming company, right? A crypto exchange has a different problem than, let's say, a dating or a matrimonial company. Um, and, and in the world of fraud, essentially, what, you know, the what and why remains always the same is the how that keeps changing. That, you know, what kind of fraud is it? Why is it happening? We don't have to really, you know, guess those answers. But how is it happening? It's, it's always the what are the MOs, essentially? Because fraudsters are, you know, fairly sophisticated. Um, and you're all, it's always a cat and a mouse game. There's always a catch up going on. So which problems do you go after? Because there are so many uh, specifically. And, you know, that perhaps that focus is, you know, is, is perhaps the biggest challenge. Like to give you an idea, we have close to about 100 customers now. They range from matrimonial companies to gig economies companies to crypto and real money gaming. Um, you know, NBFCs, neobanks, and real banks, right? So, which is where you have a whole lot of diversity uh, of use cases. Um, and even there, the world of fraud, essentially, you know, I divide it in, you know, onboarding and fraud. So, the first time you see the user, and then, you know, when you, you're monitoring the, the behavior. At both of them, uh, you know, you, it's the continuous authentication, it's the continuous monitoring that you have to do. So the data accuracy, the predictive modeling, the, you know, 
all of these have to be very, very precise. Because one thing that we pride ourselves in that we, we are not a data broker. We don't scrape the web and you know just give you and put that into an API and then give you a dump of that data. Um, data privacy is something that we take very seriously. So which is where in our decisioning, we never um, you know share the data. We essentially say that give us the input, what would you like to verify? We will show you whether it came green or red. Why did that happen? What did we check? And we will give you a decision. Um, and, and, and to connect it to your previous question, and in some use cases, if you would like, we will even guarantee that. We will underwrite that risk. So if I said, hey, this is Ashish, but it turns out it was Ranjan impersonating as Ashish, um, and that results into, let's say, you know, 300 rupees of loss, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's not on your books, that's on us, right? So we do take it all the way there. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of challenge, it's the focus in terms of use cases and in terms of solving specific problems. Um, I'll, I'll you know, explain that with an example. Mm -hmm. um, in one of our customers, a real money gaming company, um, they were spending a lot of money in new customer acquisition and um, their net fraud on a monthly basis was about 40%. So 40% of people coming on the platform and doing transactions were fraudulent, right? This resulted into crores of rupees uh, of losses. Um, as in last couple of months, you have seen, you know, the funding winter has come uh, and, you know, people are not spending as much money in marketing. So that fraud loss actually stands out a lot more. We have been over a period of time able to bring it down from 40% to, you know, 20%, then 20% to 10, uh, sorry, 12 and now, you know, that is where, that's the, that's the last mile. How do you sort of bring it down further? So it takes, you know, a lot of essentially solutioning um, and, and uh, accuracy that you have to really show, you know, the value in. So I think just working on that, getting more data and getting better and smarter in predicting these things, um, you know, that perhaps is like the most exciting, but the most challenging part as well. So Ranjan, what is your revenue model? Is it linked to the amount of, cases you're able to detect or it's like a flat fee model right so we give two options um you come on the platform and then you're able to you you decide what would you like to verify right you like to verify a single unit of identity you want to run the entire onboarding check or you may want to have like a specific use case that you may want account takeover or collusion or any of those things each one of them will have basically a per api pricing so if you'd just like to run those checks and take our decisions and you can use those decisions and act on them or you can use those decisions and take that as recommendation. But each of those individual APIs are priced uh, specifically. So you pay per API consumption. That's one thing. In some use cases, if you would like that decision with a guarantee, you pay a premium on that. We charge a few bips of a transaction and then that transaction is now guaranteed. So because when we are giving a, a decision and we are saying, hey, this identity or this transaction is green or red, um, and when we take a call that, hey, this identity or transaction is green, we are essentially saying this is protected by us. And if you'd like to take that protection, then you pay the per API pricing plus a few bips of a transaction, and we protect that. How do you differentiate from your competitors, right? So I'm not aware of the Indian market, but... Sure. In terms of differentiation, so yes, the world is always full of competitors, whether you're aware of not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, humanity has been around for very long, so I don't think there are original ideas in the world. 
Um, but in terms of our differentiation, we are not a point product. So there are a lot of companies out there who are point products. Um, you know, they could be a Twilio or a company like that for SMS verification. They could be companies like Onfido, uh, you know, uh, Jumio, any one of those for KYC. There's somebody for AML. There is someone for device fingerprinting. So across the board, like all the checks, like I mentioned, from the first time you see the user to the returning user, you're probably going to do 12 to 15 checks of some kind that probably will come through anywhere from five to, you know, probably 15 different partners, right? And these are point solutions. What we are doing is essentially organizing all of them in one platform, which is a drag and drop identity decisioning platform. What that means is you don't have to lift a finger, uh, especially the engineering team, to integrate any of the partners, uh, test them, model them, and decide whether you want them or not, right? So you essentially get a marketplace of all the data partners that you might need, whether in India, whether in Asia, or around the world, right? So you come into the platform, you have, you know, the entire menu of all the checks that you may need from authentication to compliance to fraud prevention organized in one place. You can select each one of them, uh, organize them, create your risk rules, select the countries that you would like to go live in, uh, all of that, you know, without lifting your finger, like I mentioned, you know, without doing any engineering integration. Mm -hmm. so, so that's the first part, which is efficiency. Second is speed because we are giving real-time contextual risk-based decisions. Um, most of the companies, they give you usually a data dump, right? Or if they're giving you a decision, it's on a very specific point product. What we are giving you is an entire workflow and a decision on that entire workflow, right? So if your onboarding requires today seven checks, we are not only giving you the individual, you know, um, output of each one of those uh, checks but we are also telling you in this context in this you know is this onboarding um currently is this a real identity is this a synthetic identity is it a bot or all of that and based on all of those combinations we are giving you a decision saying is this good to go or not right um and then you can either take that as a recommendation or you can bank it so that's one third is the value right the kpi is that um at you know in fraud for example how much fraud are you actually able to detect or prevent? How much dollar value of commerce are you actually able to protect? Um, and for, I'll give you an example. Um, in one of our customers, there was one day when we saw, you know, um, about 700 fake accounts getting created in the matter of two hours. Um, and the tech was able to pick up that these accounts were being created from three unique ident uh, devices, actually three unique phone numbers and three unique, you know, IMEIs, which is your devices. Uh, the fraudsters were spoofing their location. They were sitting somewhere at the border of Bihar and Nepal uh, and spoofing their location from different places. They had access to legitimate identity, so they probably had either stolen or bought, you know, um, the PAN and Aadhaars of, you know, uh, different folks. And they were creating fake accounts and they were asking for credit for each one of those accounts for up, up to 5,000 rupees, right? Um, and in some cases, they were spoofing the app itself, uh, or in some cases, you know, they were, you know, looking into other people's uh, transactions using an emulator, right? So a lot of this tech was able to sort of, we were able to check and, you know, detect some of these things. So on, you know, for example, in that day, one can tell that, hey, you're able to detect certain number of, you know, uh, fake accounts 
you are able to prevent you know certain order of commerce right specifically and and you are able to then tag and create a bad identities database right so you are essentially not just giving an ingredient you are giving a full solution right so that is essentially in terms of value and the last is in terms of you know like i mentioned guarantee um you know we we back that with a guarantee and and there are not many companies who probably are looking into this you know from a fraud underwriting model so that's one and all of this sort of done without um essentially giving raw data uh doing this in a tokenized tokenized uh, a tokenized secure environment way uh and providing essentially decisions and you don't have to deal with every country's the local data privacy laws and the security laws and sovereignty laws you know those are things that we take care of um uh, so that's as a package is you know how we differentiate ourselves awesome thanks for the coming to your second question in terms of how do we scale right yes. um in our business you know the good thing is regulation is good for our business because more any more regulation basically means more verifications and you know more authentications um so uh, whether it's gdpr or tcpa or ccpa in the us or in india at some point there will be you know different bills which are getting floated um those actually you know we count as tailwinds for our our kind of business in terms of you know like is there a lot of customization um yes and no in terms of onboarding yes you do need to sort of understand that okay in india if it's an aadhar card that you are verifying and in you know uh, in indonesia it's ktp or it's you know some something else in some other market you do have to uh, you know standardize those things so yes you have to have essentially the local data pipe integrations uh, and you have to you know standardize your solutions for that but it is incremental it is not um, something you know which is uh, you have to basically move a huge boulder but most importantly when it comes to fraud detection um the you know not just at onboarding but you know the actual continuous you know transaction level fraud that is something purely which is global on day one um because what you're looking at is something which is you know you're you're essentially part of an sdk on you know on on our customer's device and you're looking into the actual behavior you're checking for example hey is this user you know copy pasting or typing hey is this user um uh, you know spoofing either you know the ip the phone number the sim card the location are they you know uh, is this a malware is this a bot these are things that you can do today anywhere in the world um and you you know and it's the same solution that applies everywhere um so with a combination of what we call you know user fingerprinting and behavior biometrics um that essentially as a package um allows us to sort of you know detect sophisticated fraud um just by being as you know by being uh, integrated with our sdk on day one so recently i read a very interesting thing uh, which mentioned based on your charging phone pattern they are able to identify your credit worthiness every data point is is a is an indicator of something um like i we were talking to a customer of ours um and i just yesterday and we found an interesting you know uh, insight into how they think about it um they are you know for them they they have a collections problem uh, you know so you know they their collections uh, you know are you know quite high rate and how do they bring them down and one way they were doing it um not using us uh, because we we don't necessarily work on that problem um but with using their you know internal partnerships and models 
they essentially start looking at that, hey, what time do you take your e-commerce deliveries, right? So they work with logistics companies and they basically understood that, okay, you know, for all of these identities, you know, uh, and especially in this zip code, what time do people, uh, are most people available and take their e-commerce deliveries? That's a good time to sort of send, you know, somebody for collections, right? Now, that, like I mentioned, that, that's an interesting take on a data which I wouldn't have thought, you know, directly correlates. Yes. Um, so this world is very interesting. I mean, it, you know, um, how dots connect, um, mm. I think everybody's trying to do that. Um, and then that's what we are trying to do, right? So um, at identity and transactions level. So it, it's funny because in, in our own network, so we have now close to 100 customers, we have verified over 30 million identities. What that means is that we understand behind these 30 million identities, um, you know, enough to basically have a point of view of, of saying this is a good actor or a bad actor. So who they are behind their digital personas, who they are uh, as a real person, and what is their transaction behavior in different places. So we can see that, hey, we have this one user who onboarded themselves in a neobank six months ago. Then two months later, we saw them ship some e-commerce goods, you know, um, to you know, a couple of different zip codes. We saw them do KYC, you know, for another new bank, or you know, when they were applying for a loan. Uh, and we saw them also sign up for a real money gaming, and we saw this sort of behavior. That gives you a pretty good insight in terms of you know how how what that one user represents, um, and that's how we are looking to connect the dots. And I think collection is a big problem in India, and each has their own way of tackling it. But never heard of this mechanism, you know. So just stepping back a little bit. A little bit trending. So, um, so what motivates you? That's really I want to know. I mean, you have done it all from a founder perspective, like from an entrepreneur perspective. You built a company that got acquired, uh, went public. What is you know uh, that excites you now? Uh, there are two aspects to it. Um, I do really believe that you know um, digital fraud impacts um, you know. And, and, and changes lives and you know in, in not so nice ways um, I, I was a victim of you know cyber fraud you know many years ago um, and I had to you know um, fight tooth and nail to sort of get that money back and and I am you know I'm of, of the privileged lot um, you know uh, I was born you know uh, you know with essentially you know all the privileges that one can imagine and it wasn't easy for me um, and, and I consider myself tech savvy. Um, but, you know, when you look at in terms of how, uh, you know, how fast all the economies around the world are digitizing uh, themselves, um, and a lot of folks who are not as tech savvy, and even if they are, um, you know, it's very hard to sort of keep up with everything. And, and, and I'm sure like even you would know probably one out of, you know, five people in your network who's either been a victim or has come close to becoming a victim Absolutely. of cyber fraud, right? So I, I, I do think that it is a massive pandemic and it's going to become bigger and bigger. And which is where my, you know, I, in my previous company, I used to work very closely with credit bureaus. Um, and, you know, they were, once, you know, some of our largest channel partners. So I, I intimately got to understand how they operate, what is the business model. And that is what I got inspired by, but saying that, okay, I think bigger than credit risk, I think fraud risk is going to be a bigger problem if I take the next 10, 15 year view. Um, and especially in places like India, where India uh, is a developing country, you know, is a middle income country or, or aspiring to be one. 
But when it comes to digital infrastructure, India is a very, very much a first world country, right? Um, and everybody, you know, uh, especially in, you know, in emerging economies is getting inspired by it. So using this phenomenal, you know, first world infrastructure, right, um, which is, which is, you know, which you don't even have in the U.S., right? There are immense opportunities to sort of build something uh, which can do two things. I think it, it can be a large scalable business um, because if you can become essentially what Sybil score today is for credit risk, if you can basically build, you know, a bureau score or a you know, bureau recommendation or a trust score, whatever we end up branding it as, but for fraud risk, I think it, is, it, it can be an immensely large business uh, in India and abroad. Um, but most importantly, the impact that it will have um, on lay, lay folks, right? Like my parents, they, you know, um, they are always intimidated in terms of, you know, um, getting all of these messages from banks and, you know, stock exchange, you know, the stock brokers or any one of those sort of apps or, you know, uh, interactions saying you should not do this, you should not do that. And, you know, when these random SMSs come for, you know, asking them to verify KYCs and all of that. And from that to, let's say, you know, pe people who we have around to sort of support us uh, in our ecosystems, right? Um, from sophisticated to not so sophisticated folks, right? Everybody becomes a victim of it. And it's a, you know, so it, it has a real life impact on people because, you know, people, and every day you will hear somebody lost few lakhs to few crores. Um, and whatever that is, right? It is a financial loss. It, it is a life-changing loss for some of the folks, right? And most importantly, it's a hit to, I would say, the economic, you know, GDP, essentially. Right now, it's a tiny number. But if you look at, for example, in the U.S. today, um, every single day, um, there are more incidents of cyber fraud than accidents in the U.S., car accidents. Um, last year, I think, or sometime in the last two years, essentially, the number was, you know, uh, for the entire year, there were more cyber fraud reported. Uh, there were five times as much more cyber frauds reported uh, than the car accidents in the U.S., right? So this is something which is, you know, growing, and, and I, you know, that's what drives me, that there's a real problem to solve. It can, it can have a real impact, you know, as a business and as, I think, a public good. So Ranjan, what are your next targets or milestones you're looking at? So there are a couple of things that we, you know, uh, look at as our own milestones or, you know, KPIs to go after. One is the size of our trust network. So, for example, 100 merchants and 30 million verified identities as of now. Um, the larger this becomes, uh, the more intelligent, you know, our decisioning becomes, uh, you know, the more accurate our, you know, um, solutions are. Um, and most importantly, like I said, right, uh, we are able to sort of provide that TSA pre-like online experience, right? Mm -hmm. So if we say, hey, this is a bureau verified user, you don't need to take them through, you know, five verification screens or, you know, seven of these underlying checks. You can trust, you know, our recommendation on this. That's what we want to get to. So, you know, in next two years, we want to sort of get this to 100 million verified identities in India. Um, and I think we can get there um, given the pace, uh, you know, given the momentum we have. Um, that's one. And second is, you know, exporting this outside of India. Um, so markets like Indonesia, for example, or even in GCC market, because some of those markets in terms of their digital infrastructure, they are probably anywhere from two to five years behind India, um, but they have the same problem. They have the same opportunity in terms of 
you know, them very quickly digitizing their economies. There is a whole, you know, like a either web 1.0 or 2.0 sort of, you know, um, revolution taking place with, uh, you know, with fintech, credit, crypto, gaming, you know, lots of these things happening. Uh, but again, the underlying infrastructure needs to keep pace with that growth, right? Uh, so we see those as, you know, probably the next opportunities. So Ranjan, what will be the few problem statements or your suggestions for someone who is looking to start? Oh, definitely. No, this is such a, a fascinating world, Ashish. Um, there are so many problem statements out there. Um, and, you know, there's one company which is not enough to, you know, go after all of them. Um, so, in fact, you know, um, I am always um, interested in learning more about, you know, folks who are, you know, looking at problems in this domain. Um, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of different companies, either as an, you know, angel investor or um, just sometimes volunteering uh, to help in any way I can. Um, but the, the main thing would be essentially, you know, um, these are problems which are at the intersection of digital growth, regulation, um, and, and, you know, uh, technical prowess, right? So one has to really understand that, okay, you know, at least two of those three, you have to have a really good grip on. Um, and at least one of them, you have to, you know, really sort of, uh, you know, think very, very deeply about and have a real, you know, solution and differentiation. Um, so once you have that, I think, you know, that that sort of, you know, um, should give you the confidence to start something. But in terms of the opportunity specifically, there are plenty. I would say even going back to, you know, we, we have chosen not to go after the credit risk because we, we think there is enough to go after identity and fraud risk. But there are plenty of things to do, like even in the world of credit risk, like you were talking about collections is an unsolved problem, for example. Um, and even if you come back to, you know, identity and, and, and transaction risk, um, we find ourselves, you know, uh, in a place where customers are constantly asking for different things, um, like UPI fraud, right? Um, there is no one who's clearly solving that for that, right? That's an opportunity we are definitely looking into, right? Because as UPI continues to grow, it will go international. And the UPI clones like PIX in Brazil, right? They have this problem even at a bigger scale because they don't have the same first world infrastructure yet that India does, right? So, for example, just that as a problem statement, I, I think, is going to just be immense, right? Then, obviously, you know, in terms of how do you empower users, right? The new age internet native users, uh, they want control, right? And this is where you find a lot of activity in the Web3 um, world, right? Where people are coming up with ideas in terms of how to empower users, um, you know, um, to, you know, to decide who basically they, you know, uh, share their identity and, and behavior with and who they don't, right? Um, again, that, that's very, very early stage. There is no clear leaders there. Um, and there's a lot of innovation to be done there. Uh, there's plenty to be done. Are you a believer, Ranjan, in Web3? What are your thoughts? Um, I think it's very early. I've, I'm fascinated with the amount of smart people who are in that world. Um, it's fascinating. Um, I think just the quality of talent going there is, is phenomenal. There, whether it re results into some real life manifestation, I think it's early days. But yes, there are a lot of, you know, um, intellectually, you know, like first principle ideas that are being thought of. Um, I think there are some underlying technologies which are definitely, you know, going to remain for years to come. Uh, whether they remain in the shape and form of what we today call Web3 and all of that, 
that the jury is out. I am not going to be the, I'm not going to be looking into that crystal ball anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just the, you know, the technology uh, specifically and the talent um, and, and the problem statements are definitely real. Uh, but I would, I would want to use the, that technology and talent to solve the problems of today. Um, that's where I'm spending my time, essentially. Do you invest in cryptos? I do. I, I, you know, at one point I thought I was the smartest dude because I started in 2015 um, and, you know, got lucky on a few things. And, you know, I thought, you know, I know something that others don't. Uh, and then I've gone through since, you know, two down cycles. So I know better. <laughs> so to wrap it up, Ranjan, one last final question. Looking back now, uh, what is that one or few things you would have done differently? I think first thing is there were, like, everybody's different. I am, uh, you know, some people are very data-oriented. Some people are very instinctual. Uh, some folks prefer to talk to, you know, 10 different folks, get advice, and then make up their mind. Everyone, you know, ha has a different way of approaching how they think about things. For me, I've always relied on my instincts, um, and they have mostly served me right. Uh, but looking back, there were some times where, you know, I, you know, did not listen hard enough to my instincts and I went with what seemed right because some, you know, uh, in the advice when it comes from some certain folks and because you, you respect the chair more than the, the advice itself. Uh, and, and then you essentially, you know, start to shortchange your own insights or, or instincts. Um, that I think in long run doesn't work. Um, I think so deep down, everyone knows, you know, what works best for them. And, and that's something that I know, you know, that um, for me, if I have to prioritize something when it comes to a fork in the road or any form of decision making, um, which has a deep impact or which has a, you know, a high risk impact, I will always rely on my instincts, right? So that's one. Um, second, I think somewhat connected to this is no one knows anything, man. Um, everyone, you know, like we all have experiences. Uh, we can share that. Um, but that's about it. Everyone is so unique. Everyone's journey is so unique. Um, so trying to force fit things into, you know, hey, what did what did uh, that person do? Here are the 10 things like that BuzzFeed listicles, you know, that, that you know, uh, the media sometimes trains us to, you know, operate like. Um, that, that, you know, I've been a, you know, I've definitely have drunk that Kool-Aid at one point, uh, but, you know, I haven't seen anything good come out of it. Uh, you have to basically be very, very authentic to, you know, who you are, what do you want to get done and, and not look necessarily for, look for, you know, um, experience of other people and, and see how may that apply to you. But, but yeah, it just stops there. You have, I mean, every, everybody is unique and, and, you know, that unique journey is, is what everyone's on. Awesome, awesome. Thanks a lot, uh, Ranjan, for your time. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Um, any final words, any comments? Uh, if I've missed, uh, please feel free to. No, thank you so much, Ashish. Thanks for inviting me. Um, great chat. Um, and yeah, I'll continue to, you know, listen to the other podcasts and, you know, other insights from other founders.